Welcome to episode 74 of Sharing Life Lessons. This is season 8. We are one spirit, one soul, and together we are creating a library of stories and life lessons. I am your host, Hamida, and I want to bring you stories because stories matter, stories inspire, stories teach, and stories heal. Listeners, I can't wait for you to listen to my discussion with our guest for today. She shared with us so many valuable life lessons about how we can declutter our physical and mental space so that we can be productive in life, not just at work, but in life. But before I introduce her, I need to do two things. First is administrative, but very important. As announced in the last episode, Sharing Life Lessons has expanded to YouTube. So please go to the link in the show notes to subscribe to our new YouTube channel. Also, don't forget to hit the notification bell so that you can be notified of all new episodes that get dropped into YouTube. Secondly, I have a positive, wonderful, and relevant message to begin this episode. The author is unknown and it reads, Letting go is an act of freedom. It's the art of entering a mental space where you neither need nor want anything. You just are. The more you enter this mental space of nothingness and detachment, the more you connect with what you desire most in this life, liberation. Liberated from having to do things you don't want to do. Liberated from emotions and feelings that drag you down. When you let it all go, the good and the bad, your bundled up energy unravels. It frees up. It's no longer needed. There are no demands. The irony is that in letting go of everything you want, everything you want begins to make its way to you. Beautiful, isn't it? Our amazing guest for today is a productivity and organizing coach certified in time and stress management. Everyone, let's welcome Lisa Zaratni. Hello, Lisa. Welcome to Sharing Life Lessons. It is wonderful to have you on the show. Oh, thank you, Hamida. It is my pleasure to be here. Lisa, you have a niche company that you founded called Positively Productive. And I know there's a story behind it as well. But before we go there, can I please ask you to introduce yourself and tell us something about yourself? Yeah, I'd be delighted. So hi, everyone. I am Lisa Zarotny, as Amita said, the founder of Positively Productive Systems and also the host of the Positively Living podcast. I'm a productivity and organizing coach certified in time and stress management. And I use simplicity, self-awareness, and systems as a way to help multi-passionate creatives boost their productivity, balance business and family, and do it all simply and sustainably so they can avoid burnout because that's so incredibly important and unfortunately prevalent in our society. On a personal note, I am a multi-passionate myself. I'm a wife and mom to kids and cats and my love languages are coffee, Venn diagrams, and music. And I will have a conversation with you anytime through music lyrics, movie quotes, or gifts if we're online. <laughs> I totally share that with you. Music and coffee, both. Right? <laughs> <So two or three. laughs> nice. 
Uh, for the listeners, I will have the link to Lisa's podcast on the show notes. So for those who want to connect with her, there will also be a way to connect with her on my show notes. Okay, Lisa, can we tell you your story? Please tell us your story. Okay, and it's very much what brought me to do what I do today. So this is one of those, how far back do I go? But really at this point, I guess we would say it's approximately 15 years ago. I was pregnant with my son and I moved my mom in with us. There was something going on with her for quite a number of years. And we knew that she was going to need help and we invited her to live with us. During the time that I was pregnant with my son, we moved her in and discovered that she had Alzheimer's. Mm. And I cared for her while pregnant and then having my son and then also over the course of nearly five years. So I also was pregnant with my daughter and had her. And I was in a very unusual sandwich caregiver situation that I still, I still struggle a little bit with describing because on the one hand, looking back, having this vision that I do of what happened, I can be so grateful for it. But at the same time, it was so difficult. It, it was it was a very dark time because it took everything from me and almost took everything to the point where I don't know if I could have come back from it. I, uh, I lost my mom in pieces. We're trying to figure this whole thing out, Alzheimer's, any, any disease of the brain, I think, that, that alters who a person is, is a deeply powerful and really dreadful place to be because you lose the person that you once had right there in front of you. Then there's an element of having to switch. And this is caregivers anywhere who help their parents in some fashion understand this. It is so confusing and disheartening and painful to have parents who once were the people who cared for you who were the strong ones, who were there for you when you needed them, now have the roles reversed, right? Mm -hmm. So through that time, we did the best we could. I was dedicated to giving her the best golden years that we could. And in the beginning, it was more of the care relating to administrative, taking care of where she would go and that her bills were paid and who she would have spent her time with. And it was very much like having another child. Mm -hmm. As it progressed, she wasn't necessarily sure who we were, but she at least felt relatively safe. But toward the end, I did not feel safe with my children and my mother in the same place. And I had to work to remove her from our home and put her in a nursing home. And throughout that time, everything that you would consider uh, like a a non-essential thing to do was off my plate. I removed everything that I possibly could. And unfortunately, I removed what I now see were essential things. A lot of my own self-care went on the back burner uh, because also I had an infant and a toddler and I was doing my very best to pour into them as well. And I I need to give a a nod and a shout out 
<laughs> and a deep appreciation to my husband mm-hmm. for being through this entire process as well, holding down a job. The two of us were trying to run a business. There was so much going on that we just let things, so many things, physically and tasks, everything pile up. Lisa, before you go any further, because you're talking about your mom and how you lost her in bits. Yeah. Can you tell us, give us a sense of who your mother was before and after? Thank you for asking that. Anne was a strong woman. She came from Germany. And if you know anything about the German's work ethic, you know that she was dedicated to taking care of things, taking care of everyone. And she was the one who taught me to be a caregiver. She was a caregiver for my grandmother. She was a caregiver for my dad. And I helped her be one for my dad who passed away many, many years prior. Mm -hmm. She was the one who always did for others. And so a big part of that was probably the reason why I was dedicated to doing for her, even Mm -hmm. if it was to my own detriment. And her benefit, because imagine what would happen if you didn't. Exactly. Yeah. And in a way, there was a really beautiful thing where I was, you know, you try to pay it forward, but it's very rare that you can pay it the other way. And that? Yeah. And I felt like in some ways I could. And how did you feel about letting her go to the nursing home? By the time it happened, it was a relief mixed with like tremendous guilt. Yeah, it, it was some, right. It was something I promised that I would never do. And also, you, I'm just going to build a life lesson in right at this moment that I wasn't even expecting to share, which is that I took from her this expectation that I, I don't know if she ever said to me, but I believed that it was never put me in a home. Don't okay. do that to me. And I took that from her. And I will, I don't like to say never. You have to be careful with those. But I'm not doing that to my children. We don't know what's to come. We don't know what's the best for people. And I'm quite certain at the time that she said those words, if she had thought that she might be a danger to my children, she wouldn't have said them. She wouldn't have made me promise. I think she was thinking in general terms that family take care of each other and we don't offer that up to a facility. So that was definitely a lesson on my part. Lisa, that is a huge lesson. So for all us parents, if we leave with nothing else from this episode, but that be compassionate with what you would make your kids go through if you ever get to a place where your mother was. Thank you for that. Thank you. So where were we? We (laughs) You you left her in the nursing home and you were very guilty about it. Very. And I would let go of that in the future because truly I had done the very best I could and I had to make a choice. One of the things I told myself was that she loved me. She loved my children and she would have done the same as a mother, right? She would have done anything to protect me. Mm -hmm. So given that I went forward with that idea and then I proceeded to be a very strong advocate for her in the nursing home. And she actually wasn't there very long. She was there from September to Christmas and then passed away. And you know what? It was, it was a peaceful way to go because I think she needed release Mm -hmm. what she was in. And I even prayed for it. 
some prayers are answered and <laughs> it surprises you. But at the same time, I, I really believe that, that it was meant to be, that she was meant to be given that release. And that also released us. It released me to be something other than her caregiver. Okay. Now, I was still a caregiver for my children. And it really was a different kind of experience because the first thing that I felt was relief. And then immediately thereafter, guilt, more guilt. <laughs> mm. And then I took a breath and I was like, what do I do next? What do I do next? Because that, I think, is a tendency that we all have. We have a space and we want to fill it, right? Mm -hmm. and, and that's anywhere in life. I mean, that could be, if you have an empty drawer anywhere. <laughs> you will fill it up. You will fill it, right? <laughs> and this actually is a little bit of a foreshadowing to where I'm going with this. But it's true. It's just this instinct that we have. And it's what I was doing in that moment. Oh, do I get a job? What do I do? What does my family need? And something, a voice inside me said, wait, wait a moment. Take a deep breath. You need things, Lisa. You need to clear a path in your home. There were so many things that have piled up. You need to attend to those. And so I began doing that, literally decluttering our space, going through the piles and clearing a path, which I now see as clearing a path outside of me and inside of me. Because the other thing I did was give myself space to heal mm. and to just be and to not have to do yet another thing. And that's a big, big life lesson in there as well. It was that we don't have to fill every moment. We don't have to always be doing, clearing a path and allowing ourselves to have the space to do what we want and to heal is so critically important. And as I started to do this and it was physically decluttering and I poured into books and different kinds of thought leaders about what we could do to, I guess, look around and, and see how we can simplify our lives. And I, I poured into gratitude and into being and into understanding how little we really need. And it was so calming mm -hmm. and it was so healing. And I, I could not only feel a difference in me, and I think this happens a lot, especially with moms, I could feel a difference in my family because they were responding to that. They were also responding to how much simpler things became once we cleared out the clutter and we had fewer things to put away. And it was a simpler, easier path to do our everyday routines and places to play now and to grow and to do things, projects that we hadn't gotten to in ages because we didn't have the time or the space. It was really powerful. And I was like, this, this is incredible. I need to start sharing this with people. Mm -hmm. And the decluttering part, simplifying creating that space was the thing that really struck the most. So that's what I began with as a professional organizer. And it started with one person who was like, I want to do what you're doing. I can see such a difference in what's going on. And I was like, I want to help you. And we began that path. I, I joined the National Association of Productivity and Organizing Professionals because I discovered this is actually a thing. This is like a, a profession that people have. And I started to help people. But very soon after, I saw that every time I'd, I'd go into a home and we'd go through all of the clutter, 
that it was really in the head and the heart that the clutter was. And that if we could get to the root of that, no matter where we are or what we're dealing with, then you could manage what's happening. And so I knew that I wanted to shift into what I now call productivity coaching because that seems like a good catch-all word for what we're trying to do. We're trying to, we're trying to do less. We're trying to live more. We're trying to live our lives and, and breathe easier to reduce our stress, to live better and, and to be able to take care of ourselves too. And that brings me to my next big life lesson. And this is probably one of the most important because you say, oh, if you could do something differently, so what would it be? And I'm like, the thing I would do differently during that entire time was take better care of me. Self-care is not optional. Mm -hmm. And denying yourself doesn't make you a better caregiver, Mm -hmm. a better person. There's no bonus points in life for increasing the level of difficulty for ourselves or for not tending to our own needs. And I think we forget that. We forget what our, our needs even are and, and how much it matters. Many times it's for a beautiful reason. Like you said, I wanted to give back to her and to take care of her. And that's beautiful, but I needed to take better care of me. And so that if you could take nothing else from today's conversation away, it's that you are the vessel for everything you bring to this world. We need to take care of you. Okay. So for those who feel like they have to sacrifice themselves, to take care of others, whether it is parents, whether it is spouses, whether it is children, mainly for children, Mm -hmm. they feel like if I have limited budget, and let's just take that angle, the financial angle. If I have limited budget, then I need to sacrifice what I truly need so that I can buy for my children what they need. Can you talk to that a bit? Yeah, I would be happy to because... There are a couple of assumptions right in that description, which I completely understand. Again, I've been there. I've walked that path. The idea that there is a budget involved for self-care, not always. There are so many things that we can do that don't cost money. And there are so many things that we can do that we can incorporate with our children so that we can share the resources. Mm-hmm. So you want to take them and have a playtime with them and you have a park and there's some kind of membership, you get it for the family and now you both benefit from that. There are ways to be creative in terms of how you're caring for yourself. But I would say even more importantly, and this is something that I've come to realize over time, and it's very powerful because I watch it in action now that my children are a tween and a teen, Mm -hmm. is that while we are caring for them, and that is so important, we are also modeling for them. Very important. Very, very important. And we are showing them what to expect. And I actually had to break a cycle in a way because my mom was so giving mm-hmm. that, I mean, I even think now, I wonder at the very least, not a doctor, I, I can't say for sure, but I wonder if some of the conditions that she had, some of the health issues that she had came from all of the caregiving she did without taking care of herself. And mm-hmm. I don't want my children to see that. I want them to see that I will pour into them completely and utterly, but I will also pour into myself. And a wise mama once told me, let me see if I can say this the right way, 
Don't put their wants above your needs. Very well said. So given that, try to combine to make sure what are their needs truly versus their wants. Be very particular about that. And what are your needs? Mm-hmm. I bet you anything, you can find the resources. Mm-hmm. Being creative with a budget and also understanding needs versus wants. You can, you can find a way. I'm sure. And I want to emphasize the point you said there, there should be a budget for self-care. Yeah. Like when you're budgeting, you should put some time and money aside for self-care. Absolutely. And you can be really creative because you can keep that portion small with something that really matters to you. And see, this kind of connects to what I do in terms of productivity coaching. Now we start looking at the time and the resources we have, the energy, the things that light us up, like uh, what what we love to do. That's part of self-care. It's also part of what I call energy management. It makes us more productive. Mm -hmm. That's the other wonderful takeaway from this is that it's proven from a productivity standpoint that if you take care of yourself, if you bump up your energy, you will actually take care of others better. You will be more productive. So given that, we think about our energy and we also think about not only what lights us up, but where we can also apply productivity techniques like the 80-20 principle. Mm -hmm. That's the Pareto principle, right? 80% of your results will come from 20% of your efforts. Mm -hmm. That's a brilliant and really encouraging leveraging technique when you think about it. Because that means if you're looking at all the stuff you need to do, or in this case, let's say you want to take care of yourself, well, you will feel the effects, like the benefits, let's say, of self-care, like 80% of the way from just 20% of a potential list of things you can do. For me, it's getting a massage as an example. So here's the thing. We think about self-care. We, we talk about it in a way where I think there's a misconception that it's just like, oh, bubble baths and pampering. Not necessarily. Hey, Sometimes, can, I, can I offer up my self-care technique? I would love it. Yes. A 30-minute walk with my headphones mm-hmm. listening to an audiobook. That is my sense of self-care. And it costs nothing. I take I, my audiobooks from Libby.com. Every library in your town is signed up with Libby.com and it gives you free audiobooks that's in your library. There we go. And you just brought up the next thing I was going to say, which is that nature, a time outside, hugely powerful. And you're right. That one does not cost a thing. Time on your calendar to just honestly, for me, another like free, free point of self-care for me, taking a nap. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Big nap fan. <laughs> yeah. And it rejuvenates you for the rest of the day. It does. It doesn't, especially if you know something's coming up or yeah, it, we 10, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, something like that. Again, there are different techniques. There are different approaches that you can take depending upon what kind of rest you need. But even if you set a timer for 10 minutes and didn't try to fall asleep, but you just try this, lie down on a surface, a couch, a bed, something really comfortable, 10 minutes calm your breathing. This is not anything technical. You're not meditating. You're not trying to sleep. It will calm your nervous system. It will calm you and it will help you to properly transition into the next thing you have to do. 
I like that. Lisa, if I, I don't know whether you're going to go further into the nature thing, but if you're not, I do have a question on declutter. Oh, please, let's go decluttering. Okay. <laughs> My favorite topic. Actually, two. Actually, two questions. The first one is, I've heard people say that if your physical space is cluttered, then it impacts your mind and that will fill with clutter. But I've heard you say that if your mind and heart is cluttered, that will show up in your physical space. Yes, Talk about I, that. I love that you picked up on that because the way that I describe it is that it's your physical space, your mental space, that they will each affect and reflect each other. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so that's why sometimes people will say, oh, my mind is crazy. I, I'm, I'm really, I'm really struggling because I feel so overwhelmed. And sometimes decluttering a space tidying up a space in your home. I mean, you know that feeling, right? When you go through a closet or even fix a junk drawer or straighten up the hallway, something like that. And you, you start to breathe easier uh -huh. or you've reworked the, the, the dresser. And then you're like opening drawers just to look at it and be like, Hey, that looks great. You know what I mean? You feel you've, it, we, we laugh, but it's so true, right? It's a universal truth. That helps you breathe easier, feel more calm. It also sets things up for you to be able to do the habit that you're working on. Find the workout clothes if you're trying to put something on for a walk or maybe locate the items that you need for a project, whether it's business or just for fun. Whatever the case may be, that helps you in that regard. But also, too... When our mind is cluttered and we don't know what to do next, when our to-do lists are just jam-packed full, which is a huge part of what I work on with people, when we don't have that space, we don't have the space to take a break, we don't have the space sometimes between our appointments to stop and actually do the habit of putting things away, returning the space back to neutral, like I like to call it. All of those things are contributing factors to creating external clutter. Mm. They can both work against each other, but the good news is they can also both work for each other because when you release the clutter on either side, you can start to make, again, I keep talking about making space. There's a reason for that because we need space to transition properly, to be properly productive, to have the focus we need, right? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So that's the why and the what. Let me talk about the how. So for, and I'm going to include myself, for people like us who want to declutter, mm -hmm. but also don't want to throw away or waste, what I'm trying to understand is, is it better to just let it go and throw away? I feel my block is I don't want to waste anything. And I know there are many out there who don't want to just throw away. So can you talk a bit about that? Yeah, I'd be delighted because this is a really important aspect to creating a, a really good habit for you of reducing when you have too much, too much in your space that doesn't fit. So there's a couple different things that you could consider. One is if you have an overabundance, sometimes it can happen where you've purchased too much or you had more than you need and, and now you're reducing based on your space. It's Important to think about the space in which you live as your prime real estate. So you want the things that you're using regularly every day or very frequently 
And then things that you're not going to use quite as often can be somewhere else. So if you have the means and the storage, if you have attic space or garage space or something like that, where you can keep excess or bulk items, you could potentially keep some of them there, especially if it's a consumable kind of thing, whether mm -hmm. it's like notebooks or things of that nature. And we've done that before where we had an overabundance because schools change their minds about <laughs> what they need. Right. And we would have a special storage area where we would go the next time we needed those items and kind of internally shop. So that's one thing. But if you don't have the means to contain those items and you want to give them away, and so if you want to release and to share, I say, bless others with items that you no longer need, if you are trying to be in that state where you let go and really embrace how little it is that you need to live well then there are so many ways that you can do this that can help you if you're worried that that might be considered wasting. And that's, there are our Facebook groups and different kinds of groups locally that you can reach out to, that you can connect with very easily to be able to donate items. But more importantly, I want you to understand how heavy the weight of clutter is on you mentally, and emotionally, and how sometimes letting go of that is the release that you need in order to do so many things in the future that are going to be good for the world. So it's this idea, I know sometimes you feel like letting go of something can feel like a waste. And there's actually a term when we've poured money or time and effort into it called the sunk cost fallacy. The sunk cost fallacy. Go ahead and Google that. Very simply stated, it is a fallacy for a reason that we have this idea that we have poured money and time and effort. We can do this with projects too, where we're like, but I worked so hard for so long. How can I possibly abandon that now? Well, here's the thing. It is creating clutter that is blocking you mm -hmm. from doing the next thing, mm -hmm. from being open to receive what is next and maybe what is best for you. It's like staying in a bad relationship because you're like, yeah, but you know, I had a lot of dates with that guy. You're like, we don't do that, right? Or even but I've put in 15 years into this marriage. Absolutely. Yeah. And I don't want to make light of that. I yeah. understand that sometimes it can be incredibly hard. But this is where you look at the big picture and you understand the benefit of releasing. What I often tell my clients is if you're holding on tightly to something, imagine you have a fist and you're, you're grabbing real tight, your hands are not open to receive. So it's a choice. And so given that, if you want your hands to be open to receive, then you need to let go. Some people say let go and let God. The biggest thing is understanding that letting go means you're creating space for what you need, what's good for you, and what's next. The exchange of value there is more powerful than you realize. I loved everything you said, Lisa. I want to ask you, is there anything that you would like to tell the listeners that we have not spoken about? Any final message? The final message is one of my favorite quotes from Sophia Bush. Hopefully I get it right. If not, we'll call it an approximation, mm -hmm. <laughs> which is that you're allowed to be a work in progress and a masterpiece simultaneously.
So celebrate where you are right now. Celebrate this conversation we've just had together and what you'd like to do next and what you'd like to release and where you've been and what you've done. And go ahead and work on that next thing and and go for the improvement, but go for it with a really happy heart and where you've been and what you've done already. Lovely. Thank you so much. Loved this conversation and thank you for being on the show. Thank you, Hamida. It was my pleasure. Listeners, FYI, I have already started decluttering my home since I interviewed Lisa. She has been an absolute motivation for me. I called PSENG to pick up the spare refrigerator in the garage that we hardly use. And a pickup for toys, clothes and books has been scheduled for Vietnam Veterans of America for next week. And I truly hope Lisa agrees with me that this is a great start. As always, here are my key takeaways from this valuable dialogue with Lisa. One, it is critical that we remember this life lesson from Lisa till we need it, maybe in several decades. This is the premise of sharing life lessons that we learn from each other's experiences without having to go through every experience ourselves, especially the bitter ones. Lisa is convinced that she will let her children do what is best for everyone in any given situation and not make them promise that they will not put her in a nursing home. Each one of us is aging. I pray that none of us need to depend on our children physically or financially. But if we ever must, then I pray that we are able to give them the freedom to choose the caregiving option that works best for them. 2. We don't have to fill every moment. We don't have to always be doing. Let's create space and time for us to just be. I love this life lesson because honestly, I am one of those who is constantly on the go. So much so that it drives my daughter crazy. She will every now and then tell me, come mommy, sit with me on the sofa and just chill for a bit. It is her way of telling me that I don't have to constantly keep doing. It has changed in the past couple of months. I have become aware that I was not modeling a good behavior to my children and since have attempted to change. I am now so much better at just being in taking a deep breath every so often and just being. Three, we want to try to do less, live more, live better, breathe easier, reduce our stress and take care of ourselves. Self-care is not optional. There are no bonus points in life for increasing the level of difficulty for ourselves or for not attending to our needs. Let me repeat, self-care is not optional. Four, be aware of the sunk cost fallacy. It is when you tell yourself, how can I abandon something in which I have put so much of my time, my effort or money? But you must look at the big picture and understand the benefits of releasing. Letting go means you're creating space for what you need, what's good for you, and what's next. Five, Lisa mentioned this very insightful quote by Sophia Bush. You're allowed to be a work in progress and a masterpiece simultaneously. This brings us to the end of this episode. I will bring you another episode of Sharing Life Lessons next Wednesday. Until then, be happy. Be safe and be blessed. Mm-hmm.